Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. Hey everybody, and welcome to Catching Up with Kobe and Dave, the real-time wrestling podcast presented to you by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, a retrospective pro wrestling podcast network where we romanticize, fantasize, watch and review your favorite or not-so-favorite storylines, matches, events, and or feuds from your pro wrestling past. This is the present day of July 24th, uh, 2021. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and joined here as always with the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, the cornerstone of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Dave Rosenblut. Dave, what's going on, buddy? What's going on, man? How's things? Everything's good, man. Just um, kicking it with the baby. So you might hear Camila in the background. She's just, you know, encouraging us and cheering us on the whole time. So think of it as that because the audience is back, right? I'm all for it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We, WWE's got the audience back. AEW's got the audience back. We got our audience back. So it's all yes, good. Yes, indeed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have a, a, a packed show for you. Um, we're going to be talking about the audience returning to uh, live wrestling. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Impact Slammiversary. Um, the Forbidden Door seems to be uh, keep keeps uh, rotating. It's almost like one of those uh, New York uh, uh, hotel doors that just keep revolving and revolving and spitting people in and out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And we'll be talking about uh, WWE Money in the Bank, uh, remembering a little bit of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, rest in peace. And then we'll be talking about the potentials of uh, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk moving to AEW. AEW, man, if they went to AEW root beer, that'd be pretty sweet, huh? I I mean, I don't know if Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson would go to AEW root beer. Isn't he a vegan? Oh, true. And I don't know if CM Punk could because he has the Pepsi uh, tattoo. He's a Pepsi guy, yeah. yeah. So, So, I mean, yeah, he might not not be digging root beer floats, but, you know, fuck him anyways. Yeah. We'll be talking the uh, the news and updates about that um, all in this episode. But before we do all that, Dave, what is going on in your part of town last week, this week, and next week? Well, on the subject of CM Punk, Dennis and I recently uh, conducted a watch-along of the 10-year anniversary of the CM Punk-John Cena match from Money in the Bank 2011. Uh, it was the 10-year anniversary, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to go back and watch that match. And uh, ironically enough, at the time we recorded it, we were unaware of the, the the current circumstances surrounding CM Punk and his potential move to AEW. So it's kind of interesting, the timing of how that all played out. So you can check that out in the archives. The Punk versus Cena Money in the Bank 2011 watch-along. Also, we have another watch-along this week. Um... Batten down the hatches. If you got two and a half, almost three hours of your life to spare, then join Dennis and myself as we watch the Great American Bash from 1991. It's the it's probably the worst televised wrestling event in the history of all of wrestling. Hey, you um, get Dick Murdoch punching a fan though. We do. We get Dick. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's hilarious that you remember that. I'm gonna. You that's know what? That's a hidden Can gem I- though. 
Can I sidebar for a minute on sure, Dick Murdoch now that you brought that up? Of we love Dick so, Murdoch on the show. We talk about him uh, marking out the days before. That's right, baby. Dirty Dick and Murdoch. Um, anyways, I had heard a story recently. I heard a couple things. Number one, I heard a story that Dick Murdoch was a card-carrying member of the Ku Klux Klan, which I was like, whoa. Yikes. Like, just, yeah, like, not a good human being. Um, and then I the, the another story I heard was on JR's podcast, Grill and JR. JR tells a story about when Dick Murdoch used to um, used to uh, work for Bill Watts in the in the Mid South Territory. JR would go out to the bar with him, and one night they went out to the bar, and Murdoch was flirting with this woman, and they were having a good time. And JR figured, okay, well, you know, you know, Dick's night is over. He's gonna you know go home with this lady or whatever. So JR sitting at a table at the bar. He sees Murdoch walk into the bathroom, and all of a sudden he hears Murdoch yell, "Oh shit!" And then like this big like like this pop noise, and then <laughs> Murdoch walks out of the bathroom, and Murdoch says to Jar, "We gotta go. We gotta get out of here right now. We gotta leave now. Let's go." So they get up, they leave the bar, and Jar was like, "What the hell's going on in there? What happened?" Apparently, the woman that Murdoch was flirting with cornered him in the bathroom. And showed her true colors, so to speak, and Boing. wasn't really wasn't really a woman. Yeah. And yeah. so, so Murdoch said to Jr. Murdoch said to Jr. If you ever tell anyone this, I will fucking kill you. And and Jr. hadn't told a soul until not long after Murdoch passed away in '96. But yeah, I just thought it'd be funny to tell that quick little Dick Murdoch story. Uh, now that you mentioned it from uh, Great American Bash. But anyways, Great American Bash 1991 Watch Along. The show is infamous for a lot of really bad gimmick matches. There's a Capture the Flag scaffold match with Terry Taylor and Steve Austin against Bobby Eaton and Ratmaster PN News. There's a Lumberjack match. There's this a was, Russian Chain match. This was Jim Hurd's There's two there, steel right? cage ma- Oh, this was, yeah. And this was the show that was infamous for... Um, uh, the uh, the We Want Flair chance as yeah. uh, Lex Luger and Barry Windham are wrestling for the World Heavyweight Title in the main event. This was the right. This was the show following yes. Ric Flair walking out of WCW in 1991, where and he the took the belt title. with him. Yeah, uh, yep. the Florida Heavyweight Title. Um, yes, they used the yeah. Dusty had the Florida Heavyweight Title, and they they used it as part of the new WCW title, just <clears> you know to give Luger a belt. Um, when he won, so you can watch that watch along with Dennis and I. We do we shit all over this entire show. We had a lot it's, of laughs. It's Jim Hurd's version of a uh, the works pizza. Yes, if if there was such yes, but yeah, the shittiest toppings. Great. He said, "I want yeah. peanuts, uh, sardines, uh, a little bit of wasabi. How about a little bit of peanut butter on that uh, pizza? Yep. yep. Um, maybe even um uh, some M and M's. Put some M and M's on that pizza in the crust." The, the, in the crust, yeah, that's right. No cheese, because you know who wants pizza with cheese. Um, and then we're gonna call it. Um, we're gonna call it the M M&M and M No Cheese Pizza Crust Pizza. But anyways, yeah, this is a terrible show. It's fun to it, it, if you like crappy wrestling and you want a couple of laughs. By all means, me and Dennis, we just go in on this entire show for three hours. We may never do anything like this again because it was a long show, but we had a lot of fun doing it. And then next week. Next week's going to be a fun show because we're going to do, be doing a Christmas in July theme, courtesy of Nick Opaluski. Nick Opaluski, one of our longtime listeners here at Retromania, um, requested a watch-along of the December 24th, 1990 edition of Primetime Wrestling. So I thought it'd be kind of cool, I'm kicking out it too, to do a special theme 
uh, Christmas in July theme episode where we watch that episode of Primetime Wrestling in the month of July for all of you. My good buddy, my longtime friend, I've known him for 30 years, Dean Yolanis. He's going to make his kicking out a two debut. He's my oldest wrestling friend. Awesome. We go back, we watch this show, it, we, we, we catch up. Literally, him and I catch up on a lot of things that we have, you know, because we haven't seen each other in a few years due to the pandemic. So. Have a lot of fun with that. So that's what's going Very on cool. in my neck of the woods over at Kicking Out at Two. Sweet. A uh, new member of the hosting squad. Uh, that's thanks right. Again. The, the rotating roundtable. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, thanks again for that request, Nick. Um, uh, always welcome for more. And uh, yeah, you can find that podcast on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W uh, at the beginning. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're on Podbean. That's our home base. And we have all... The archive there from uh, our launch and 360 plus episodes and over 500 hours of content for you. Um, subscribe, like, rate, re- review, and share um, if you dig this podcast. Uh, it's the only way we can continue to grow and keep going. Um, let, let's get into it, man. Uh, the audience is building for us and the audience is building for uh, wrestling again. It, it's, yes. been, it's been crazy. Um, what's your overall reaction and thoughts um, seeing, um, you know, seeing this display on TV and the, the presentation? Uh, I haven't been able to watch a lot of this stuff live because of my work schedule, but um, which is which to me is like a feeling that I used to get when. There was no social media, and there was no spoilers, and an event would take place, like if it was a pay-per-view, and I wasn't able to order it. I felt like I was missing out on something. Mm-hmm. And that's a feeling that a lot of wrestling fans haven't had in quite some time. And I think now with fans coming back, you can kind of, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. I have that 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 FOMO, that fear of missing out uh, because of my work schedule that I wasn't able to watch a lot of these events. I had my DVR loaded and I caught up on everything this week and it was still a lot of fun to watch even though I'd already known the results as to what happened with all these shows. But it's just been a lot of fun seeing the fan interactions and um, trying to gauge like who they've really been behind and who they've not been behind during the pandemic. Uh, you know, the, the AEW crowds have been, you know, on fire and AEW's been putting out some pretty solid programming, dare I say, since Double or Nothing back mm-hmm. in May. When they had a huge crowd at their show at Daly's Place in Jacksonville. So it's been a lot of fun overall. I mean, we'll get into it more as we talk about each, you know, each subject this week. But um, yeah, it's just, it's been really cool to see fans come back and interact. And um, it feels like a, a, a restart and a new era in wrestling. And you could almost make an argument that like maybe the pandemic and maybe COVID was like a blessing in disguise for professional wrestling. I was almost just uh, going to say that. Yep. In, in some sense, with like, and, and giving the industry a restart, if you will. And in some um, ways, it, it might have hindered uh, some presentations of uh, the product. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree there. So, overall, it's just been pretty cool to see it. And, uh, you know, um, I, I maybe I'm just being, you know, um, pessimistic here, but... Uh, I, I'm 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 waiting for the honeymoon period to end at some point where everyone just kind of goes back to normal. Yeah, you know what I mean, I think everybody right now is excited for everything. Um, the yes. overall reaction just to being there for live wrestling. Um, you know, the excitement. Um, or, yeah, like you said, we're we're getting to scratch that itch that's been there for so yeah. long. 
Um, yes. And uh, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, uh, it's going to be covered on Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Um, that'll be dropping today as well. Um, there is, uh, you know, I, I went to ROH um, Best in the World, and that was a small gathering. Uh, I mean, I'm talking like 500 tops, a thousand people, maybe. I saw you know, the I saw the in pictures, between that yeah. range. It was rough. Yeah, um, but that's due to the re- the restraints in that uh, UMBC center because I went to Best in the World two years ago, and or three years before that. And it was it was packed. It was like you know four thousand, five thousand people, which is you know fine for ROH in that little event center. But yeah, I mean, just the feeling of everybody you know being hyped in that line. The the you know you wanted to get in there. You wanted to see live wrestling, and they were popping for a lot of stuff. And it was just the you know you wanna you wanna enjoy it with other people. I think that's the mo- the main thing that we've uh, realized over this pandemic is. We really are part of the entertainment overall. Um, the yep. fans, the reception, oh, and everything. Sure. Um, if if we're critiquing a, a show that we're not there at, and we don't get a, a good reception of what the fans' audience is, or you know their their uh, their their take on a character, you know if they approve or don't approve, or who's getting over, um, man, it it's hard to read because this whole year, you know, people have been pushed down our necks or, you know, people have been uh, moved to these certain positions, but uh, overall the fans are going to tell you who they like and who they don't like. And, uh, that, that's shown over these last couple shows, um, in, in some capacity to AEW and money in the, and WWE money in the bank. Um, I, I think I will say that AEW does cater to an audience that kind of seems, like that ECW fan base where they, they, they're going to like it no matter what, you know? Yeah. Hardcore so, kind of a niche audience. Yeah. And I think, but, uh, um, but on scale this, like, th- like this time around. Yeah, absolutely. Because you get the, uh, you get the introduction of so many other, like, uh, uh, how am I trying to say this? So many other well-traveled or, or, uh, unknown wrestlers that that you Mm -hmm. the casual fan typically doesn't know but the smart fan watches aew yep so i i I don't know um i think overall the the most generic reaction that we can base everything off of from this honeymoon period regardless is uh money in the bank Um, i think those fans were they were letting you know who was really you know who they were really feeling and who they weren't feeling, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I watched that show back. Um, are we, I mean, are we going to get into Money in the Bank or how we? How, how do you want to do this? Let's, you want to start with Money in the Bank? You want to start with Slammiversary? Let's, let's, uh, shit. Uh, you know what? Let's just do Impact Slammiversary. Okay, um, fine. There the, we go. The smaller, there we go. smaller, collect, smaller crowd. Um, and it seemed like some of those people were kind of brought there. But, uh, you know, hey. They were into it. Um, they kind of brought the yep. intensity throughout the whole show, and they let you know, um, you know, it, 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 it's still it's still a good time to be a wrestling fan. Um, you want to run through some of the matches? I'll be honest with you. I didn't get a chance to see it, number one. Number two, uh, I tried watching it because I have the Impact Plus app, and apparently it they it takes like a certain amount of days for the new show for the the, the most recent events to 
to uh, pop up on their app. So no I, I was only able to see. Yeah, I was only able to see clips. Um, the, the the one thing I took from it more than anything was probably the the, the Switchblade Jay White uh, appearance at the end, confronting yep. Kenny Omega and the Elite after the match with Sammy Callahan. So mm-hmm. um, I mean, which my my take on it was yes, it was cool, and it was something that you know, like kind of like like brought some life into Impact, which Impact you know with this association with with AEW and even the working relationship with New Japan. They've been able to breathe some life into their programming with with certain guys. However, um, I feel like this whole bullet club infighting thing is about five years too late uh, when it comes to a lot of these guys coming in. Uh, that's just my take. I mean, you, you you could you can you could probably give a better perspective of it because of the fact that you follow it more than I do. But I feel like it's just like. Bullet Club is kind of like to me, and I may be ruffling some feathers here, but I feel like it's a thing of the past uh, uh, in, okay. in wrestling. Like it's not as cool. <clears throat> um, I don't know. What's your take on it? Well, it is um, <clears throat> interesting. It's been a long time coming. Um, you know, Bullet Club started in 2013, and here we are, 2021, um, and they still exist. But they made it a point to um, let's let's fast forward to the. Uh, I'll get through some of the matches because it was interesting with uh, TNA. Um, uh, they had a lot of people from New Japan, uh, NWA, and then they had um, the AEW. You know, so yep. yeah. Th- there's a lot of um, there's a lot of mixing and meshing going on, um, which is cool, mm-hmm. um, but. I mean, actually, and even ROH, Chelsea Green appeared. There's a lot of stuff going on. But, I, I mean, I think overall the Bullet Club storyline, it, it, it's been a long time coming for fans that saw the split of the elite, quote-unquote, who kept mm-hmm. doing the finger sign, who kept saying they're in the club um, over this period of time where you know Doc and Gallows were in the WWE. Um, and the elite were forming all elite wrestling. Um, so it kind of does tell a story for this ultimate clash, uh, getting into it. Uh, okay. So Kenny Omega wins this no disqualification match for the impact world championship against Sammy Callahan. Um, and overall a bloody match. Um, there was a fork used and Kenny Omega lacerated his hand with the fork um, while Sammy Callahan was trying to stab himself in the head, it, it, it was, it looked really bad. But anyhow, uh, there was some great action in that match and a lot of like thumbtacks and we're getting into the death match stuff again, which I don't know why Kenny Omega keeps gearing towards that when he's not that type of wrestler. But, um, anyhow, he defeats Sammy Callahan and at the end, Switchblade comes out. Switchblade has the never open championship from New Japan and they stand off. But when the, the power cut off, you know, the, the pay-per-view ended quote unquote, uh, David Finley and juice Robinson, uh, they came out and started attacking, um, more importantly, David Finley attacked switchblade because they have an ongoing feud because David Finley got a victory over switchblade in the G one climax last year and, uh, cost, um, Jay white advancing to the finals. 
So, Jay White and David Finley go back to the young boy days. So they have an ongoing feud. So does Kenny Omega and Jay White because Jay White is the last person to beat Kenny Omega in New Japan for the United States Heavyweight Championship in New Japan. Um, yes, okay. I'm vaguely remembering that. Yeah. Go ahead. So this week on Impact Wrestling, Jay White comes out again and he brings up the past. They, they kind of make sense of it all. And uh, essentially, he says that David Finley will never beat him for the Never Openweight Championship. And then he's eventually going to beat... Kenny Omega again and prove that he is the true leader of the Bullet Club. But uh, Kenny and Don Callis and uh, Doc Gallows and all them, they kind of put what you said uh, in better words. They said, the Bullet Club now has one good guy, and that's you. And everybody else is a mid-carder. Um, Which is probably going to signal the debut of uh, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, Gorillas of Destiny, to, to kind of... Because they're... Because they're the originals, right. or at least Tama Tonga exactly. is, right? Tama and so Carl just, Anderson are the originals. Yeah, Carl, yeah, I was going to say Carl Anderson. Yeah, so... So th- it works. It works for storytelling. Um, long-winded, but it works overall. Well, I mean, yeah, you'd have to play a lot of... Ca- I mean, for the hardcore... Like, for the hardcore fans who follow it, like yourself, who follow that product, the, it's 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 not hard to figure out. But for people who aren't too aren't as familiar with it, you got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, absolutely. But that's what they they ultimately might want. You know, if you have a library or a streaming service, why not advertise those? And New Japan does yeah. that really well. New Japan is always like, okay, what angle is going on right now? These guys faced each other 10 years ago. Oh, uh, that's the free match of the month. And you you get to watch that match. I've noticed some of that on social media. I'll see like an advertisement for like, you know, New Japan World. And, you know, I think it was when... Uh, I think it was the anniversary of the Hogan Muda match, the one that we watched yep. a while back. Yep. Yep. Um, I think I saw something on Facebook about it, but yeah, go ahead, continue. Yeah. So overall, I mean, it's long-winded, but I don't know why they did this for their main event of one of their pay-per-views, TNA. I don't know what keeps why think- why TNA keeps sacrificing themselves for this whole angle and for everything. Like Sammy Callahan, the homegrown guy. Just got beat by Kenny Omega, and then a New Japan guy comes up at the end to like send us off the air. I, I think more or less it's here. Here's where the sacrifice comes into play. This is just my take. Okay, you got an AEW guy in Omega. You got a New Japan guy in um, Switchblade. You know they come out, have the face off at the end of the pay per view. Pay per view cuts off. It's the cliffhanger that gets you to watching the program the following week. So. Yes, it's not a homegrown guy on their TV, but now you got the diehards like yourself and the people who have followed Bullet Club and this whole saga since 2013. Oh, hey, shit. Let's go turn on Impact because leader of the Bullet Club, Switchblade Jay White's on. Yeah. I mean, now, they got I will me to say watch. this. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so there, there was, there was the, at least in my opinion, there was the, 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 the result of it. Now, I don't, I'm not a TV expert. I can't fucking describe to you all the demos, okay? everyone. All of a sudden now, everyone on the internet thinks they're a TV expert because oh because AEW introduced all these demos. or you know The demos have been around for a while, but they haven't been as big of a focus in, in, in the ratings in wrestling. But now, all of a sudden, they're a big deal now, right? They're a big deal. Like I said, 
WWF and WCW when they used to go head to head. No, yeah, I, I read gave... I read the uh, the WCW Nitro book, so I know about demos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Seriously, yeah. people all of a sudden think they know about the demos. Okay, now I don't claim to know about them either, but like I've said before, Bischoff didn't tout ever that oh we beat Raw and Nitro in the eighteen to forty nine demo. No, they just touted that they beated Raw. Mm-hmm. Okay, now. I don't know what the television demos are like with Impact, okay? Um, I know that they're on Access TV. I don't get that channel on YouTube TV at this at, currently at this time. But I can watch episodes of Impact on the Impact Plus app after they air. I think it's like a week or so after they air. So I'm like a, a week or so behind. I could be mistaken. But anyhow, long story short, I, I'm curious as to what the numbers are with Omega is the AEW world champion on oh, Impact's program. He does take up a good chunk of like 15 minutes or so. Like he took up the first 15 minutes of the show and then he disappeared and then was never seen of or heard of again. Um, you know, and, and and I've said this to other people in other circles. What What's the benefit of Impact having, I mean, what's Impact getting out of this other than maybe some exposure that's what i'm saying yeah that's what i I don't get. or unless they're they're secretly a subsidiary of aew now um which could be true that's interesting you know that's it that's an interesting point i didn't even i never even thought of that i mean let's 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 play connect the dots for a minute here okay and we kind of talked about this a while back on a few episodes ago when we were talking about the 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 working relationship between aew and, and and impact yeah you know you have aew which is the larger brand domestically here in the United States. Let's just be honest, okay? They're 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 more popular. Uh, they're they're growing. The last few weeks, they've consistently held a million and some change in viewers. All right, on Wednesdays by themselves. Now that we have audiences returning, you have the NWA, which is a hardcore niche product for old school wrestling fans, but it's being broadcast on a smaller streaming platform like Fight TV. Mm-hmm. And only the hardcores really know about that. You have Impact on a smaller channel. Only the hardcores really know about that. But they that. still have, have a channel. They still have a channel. Correct, they do. They still have a channel. And then you have New Japan, which is you know on their own streaming service. And I'm not really sure where they are domestically here in the United States. I don't think they're... I, honestly, they get I replayed on Access. I don't know if that deal deal still exists because I don't have Access, but they used to get replayed on Access. Like it would have okay. compilations. I think with Impact, I think with Impact, um, when uh, uh, started on Access, I think that's New Japan kind of got kicked off of that. Okay. But anyhow, um, I heard something about them possibly getting the spot back on uh, on on Access TV. Anyhow, long story short, you have all these different organizations and all these different groups that are mingling talent with each other. And it's been somewhat exciting. I'll say that, you know, I don't watch all of it, but it's been, it's been pretty exciting to see certain guys appear on shows and things like that. But at the end of the day, the only person I think that is really benefiting from this all is Tony Khan and AEW. Absolutely. Um, um, I mean, they're the larger brand. They're the one with the most reach. Okay. Yes. They're getting an influx of new, fresh talent from other organizations, but I don't know exactly how all these other organizations are benefiting, other than the fact that the talent are getting more paydays. Yeah, well, let's look at. Well, that's good for business then. Um, good for business, but I'm. But all right, for, for the talent. But what about for the growth of the individual companies itself? Yeah, or or the growth of uh, evolution of wrestling. Like, where do we go from here? 
Um, yeah, I mean, you, 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 at the end of the day, you could you could send this guy to AEW, you could send this talent to, to New Japan, you could send this person to NWA, and you know, yes, it's at the end of the day, the benefit is really for the fans and this and and for the talent per se, but it it all feels like you're just trading baseball cards. Yeah, and then I guess. It, Okay, if you're looking at it from a sports aspect, I mean, people loved Michael Jordan, but then there was people that were Scottie Pippen fans, or, you know, there was people that were uh, Carl Malone fans, or, you know, there's people that were Shaq fans, you know, I'm relating yep. it to the 90s. It, it They're kind of giving you that sports-centric feel that we did ask for, um, but in a, in a different way. The presentation, it kind of reminds me of when WWE was working with ECW secretly, um, yeah. AEW working with Impact uh, specifically is what I'm talking about, that relationship. Because it looks yeah. like New Japan has a hand with Ring of Honor talent as well as their New Japan Strong talent as well as some Impact characters, but it doesn't look like they have like too much knowledge of you know, why these guys are being utilized rather than just to expose the new Japan American division, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but it it is, uh, nonetheless interesting to say the least because, you know, 20 years ago, uh, WWE kind of absorbed WCW and ECW in a full package. Yeah. Um, and here we are nearly, 20 years later, um, and in 2002, there's this company that started called TNA Wrestling. And in 2002, yep. there was another company that started called Ring of Honor Wrestling. Ring of Honor, yep. yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's very I know this interesting. Is a pipe, I know this is a pipe dream, but wouldn't it be cool? I mean, it's, it's, it's cool in the sense that all these organizations are working together. Maybe I'm just being nitpicky here with uh, when it comes to like all these companies benefiting from this, okay, in, in the grand scheme of things. But wouldn't it be cool if all these companies worked closely together on a more consistent, regular basis and almost treated their coexistence like the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, where you have all these different territories, yep. so to speak? Yeah. And you, and, but instead of having one traveling champion, you had the heavyweight champions and different champions from these different organizations competing on other shows. So like for well, instance, Nick Aldis, that, that's the territory days. You're talking Florida, the Georgia heavyweight champion, the, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Mid Atlantic I mean, champion. But, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is instead of the, the traveling NWA champion going to all the different territories, each territory has their own heavyweight champion, mm-hmm. like AEW, mm-hmm. impact, NWA, new Japan, et cetera. And, they, you see them pop up more. Like right now, it's just Omega kind of really, you know, in Impact, but bouncing between Impact, AAA. I forgot, forgot to mention AAA too because they have a working relationship with, uh, with I believe, uh, AEW. And, 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 and AEW, and, you know, AAA, Impact, and AEW. That's where Omega's been kind of mm-hmm. bouncing around. But then you got Nick Aldis, who's the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and... We've only seen him strictly in the NWA. Right. You know, wouldn't it be kind of cool as if he popped up in Impact? You know, he's got history there. He did wouldn't have that cool AEW pop- spot at the first All Out or All In. Yeah. Which, which well, that's, yeah. That's kind of the birth of the relationship. Remember that show? That was all the, the people that we're speaking about right now. 
That was Ring of yeah. Honor. That was Impact. That was uh, no, it wasn't Impact. No, Impact. Uh, I don't believe Impact was a part of that. But now that they're in there, you know, I think they're building up to just a huge show again. Like like a like a super show type of mm-hmm, deal. Mm-hmm. Reminiscent of the AWA like days and world. Yeah, class. the super clashes. Yeah, yeah, I could see something like that. I don't know if it would be on pay per view. <clears throat> Or if it would well, be like... Well, pay-per-view is pretty grand... much dead, which is the problem. Well, I mean, yeah, it's more streaming now, but think about it for a minute here. Like, you have... All right, so let's let us let us say... I think it would be beneficial for television purposes. For streaming purposes, yes, you could make more money, but I don't think all the cooks in the kitchen could agree to, you know, all the, all the, the, the rights, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you have AEW, which would put it on pay-per-view. NWA, which would put it on fight. Impact, which would put it on their Impact Plus app. New Japan, etc. Right. Ring of Honor, etc. So, you mean to tell me that you're going to have all these different groups producing a super show, and then they're going to just each be available on all the respective streaming platforms? Yeah, no. You're going to totally, like, like if, spread out the revenue. Well, it's then not there like, you go. That could be the big uh, pay-per-view buyout, you know? It could, but at the same time, you would have to think that everyone's going to want more a piece of the pie than the other. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you're, you'd have to think, too, like, all right, so Impact and AEW, their shows are also available on Fight as well, okay? Ring of Honor's got their own streaming service, which I don't even know if it still exists or not. Honor Club. Same thing with, yep. New, okay, same thing with New Japan as well. So you, you would have to think that it, that either you, go, either you do it on a large pay-per-view format, okay, traditional pay-per-view, which AEW still offers their shows, on traditional pay-per-view so that everyone gets a piece of the pie or like i said you really think that they're gonna put you know produce something together and then have it available on everyone's respective streaming formats and yeah and and, and, and you know what i mean like i just feel like someone would i don't know it's either an equal split or someone would want more more of a piece of the pie than the other i don't know maybe i'm just being maybe i'm overthinking it here but <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, I could I be agree. mistaken. No, I agree. Once you start talking turkey, um, some people want a little bit more of the tryptophan than the other ones. There you go. <laughs> tryptophan. Um, I like it. Well, trip the wrestling fan. Exactly. Um, let's. We'll talk about Money in the Bank before we do. Um, two matches that kind of stood out to me otherwise on the uh, Impact Slammiversary show from 2021. Uh, w. Morrissey defeating Eddie Edwards. Um, w. Morrissey is the former Kaz. Or Cass, Big Cass. Yep. Um, and Eddie Edwards. Uh, that match just kind of stood out to me. Um, I, I was kind of down on uh, this new W. Morrissey character, but he he's pretty intense, man. Um, he worked well with Rich Swan at their last pay-per-view, and um, he impressed me again with Eddie Edwards. And I'm sure Eddie, like, you know, is helping him along, but um, he's a little bit smoother than he was in WWE. E and he doesn't take a bump all the time like he did in WWE. He's 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 really this 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 dominating, um, uh, you know, a, big man. Yeah, big man. Uh, I mean, it, it it really stood out to me. And then the next match, <clears throat> Chris Sabin defeating Moose. Um, Chris Sabin is an old homegrown talent from NW or TNA. Um, so they're bringing him back into the fold because he was a former TNA champion. So I, I think they're trying to tell, tell a story with him 
Um, and he and Moose put on a hell of a match. I love Moose as wrestling, but his promos are terrible. That guy cannot talk for shit. Um, he li- <laughs> before, before the match, he said, Chris Saban, I'm going to hurt you worse than a car accident. I'm gonna oh I'm gonna make it worth than losing your mortgage. You don't lose wow. your mortgage. You fall behind on payments of your mortgage. <laughs> and uh, I mean, come on, the guy. He's he's the modern day. He is the modern day Virgil. Rumble in the jungles. Uh, moose, everybody. Chris that Saban. Off, baby. Yeah, Chris Saban though picked up a surprise victory, but I uh, he's getting a push and he's a little more. Uh, He's got a little more fire under him after he's, you know, he, he's, you know, mid to late thirties. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm a big Saban fan when it comes to Motor City Machine Guns. His team with Alex Shelley, I love them. I think they're a great team, and it's some. Uh, that's a that's a team I'd love to see reunite and then take same. on guys in the Young AW Bucks. like, you know, Young Bucks or even you know FTR, yep. uh, Santana and Ortiz, <clears throat> you know, et cetera. You know, teams like that. Um, I'd love to see them, you know, bounce around a little bit. Like this is where like the, the 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 fan in me wants to see how this this working relationship really blossoms and flowers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, Yeah, I, I'm 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 interested to see how it all goes too. Um there was some words said from Jay White to to uh Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson on the uh, follow up episode of Impact uh wrestling. Um, and he was kind of like, Carl Anderson, you peaked in 2012 when you were in the G1 finals. And, oh, and shit. the good brother, Doc Gallows, he was like, just stick to tattoos. You know, just stick to tattooing. Like, why, you, you're here for a paycheck. And it, it kind of got real. Um, I mean, uh, they're blurring the lines, which is cool. It reminds me of the NWO days. Um, they're doing the Wolf Pack and the Black and White feud without telling us that, you know? Uh, I think yeah, that's Bullet Club and Elite. Yeah, so, well, yeah, they, actually, now they they spoiled it. They're going to be called Super Elite because Carl Anderson came out with a baseball jersey and it's called Super Elite. And uh, Don Callis said it like twice on the mic. He said, "This is the Super Elite." So, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that's all that AEW. Good shit, and pal. TNA. Good shit, pal. Uh, let's talk about some other good shit, decent shit, maybe. Um. <clears throat> Let's go to Money in the Bank. What, what are your overall thoughts? Did you watch this one? Yeah, I did. It was a fun show. Um, crowd was really into it, and I was I, I my big takeaways were the men's ladder match was awesome. It, I mean, the guys in it were just <clears throat> phenomenal, mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was you know I was pulling for a biggie win, and he got it. But if Morrison took the briefcase. I would have been into that too. Um, I've been liking how they, yeah, I've been liking how they've kind of been building him up uh, in a singles role. I was I was kind of hoping that maybe he'd get the money in the bank, um, but I'm not disappointed that Big E won. I mean, Ricochet, Riddle, Nakamura, Rollins, Owens, all these guys they just they tore it up. You know, it was it was one of the better recent Money in the Bank ladder matches um, to date. Uh, the women's match, I a lot of people shit on the finish in the way that that Nikki. A-S-H. A-S-S. Almost a, almost a superhero. A-S-S. Uh, I like her. A-S-S. A-S-S. Yeah, I know. Okay. Really? Right. Sorry. Sophomore humor? All right. <laughs> Don't you have a baby in the room? Yeah, hey. She's gone now. Oh, okay. 
she pow- she 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 powdered out. Yeah, she powdered out, so it's okay. Oh, okay. She won't hear this. All right, it's all a no, dream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way she just kind of snuck in there and grabbed the briefcase while everyone was up top of the ladder, I thought that was kind of neat because normally you get the big dramatic finishes where like someone gets pushed off the ladder and then the person climbs up to the top, etc. But it was kind of cool how she just kind of like snuck up there and grabbed it, um, in, in a very like anticlimactic like that was where like an anticlimactic finish worked mm-hmm. you know in, in, in that sense um charlotte Rhea didn't really have any issues with that match good or bad um bobby lashley kind of like owning kofi kingston i thought that was a good way to build up bobby yes especially Under eight with, minutes with, that was seven minutes yeah. 35 seconds uh kofi keeps getting beat down by the likes of uh brock and bobby which i think is the direction that they're going correct yeah, it sounds like, uh, well, with Brock and Bobby. Yes. Well, if you if you caught Raw, um, the uh, they're not really going in the direction of Brock. More or less, they're going in the direction of Goldberg. Ah, uh, right. Uh, well, Go- another Go- guy that Brock ultimately defeated. So it, it's yes. it's to get momentum for Bobby and Brock, correct? Oh, I'm sure at some point, yeah, <laughs> they want to get to yeah, they 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 want to build Bobby up. They're trying so, to tell some um, long story booking here. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they've name dropped Brock in promos and things like that. So I think at some point Brock will be him and Lashley will have a big showdown. It wouldn't surprise me if WrestleMania was that was was that place, whether it's for the title or not. Um, probably more than likely it will be for the title. But um, yeah, so that that match I thought it was. I, I thought the 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 beatdown was well done. Then of course the main event, um, Edge and Roman. They had a really great match. Thirty three um, minutes. Was, yeah, but I mean, they tore it up. It wasn't, it was you great. know, it, yeah, start to finish. And then at the end, you know, Roman cut the promo, or Rollins got well, involved. We had, which some, sets we had up. some shenanigans with Rollins and then the Usos. Yes. Yeah. Which, there was nothing wrong with that. There was nothing wrong with that. Because, I mean, it, it plays into the story, you know, with Rollins and his quest to try and get to the title. He had an agreement with Roman. Edge kind of cut the line. Now he's mad at Edge. So then it kind of, it's still in the back of your mind that he wants the universal title. But, you know, now he's got to deal with Edge. Well, Edge and, and Rollins so, would be a hell of a match. Yeah, and it looks like that's the direction they're headed for SummerSlam, mm-hmm. which is going to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um Seeing those two go at it, but then at the end, big surprise! Crowd went bullshit crazy for John Cena. Uh, it's been a couple of years since he had been, you know, actually say about a year and some change since he'd been on WWE programming. So it was kind of cool to see him set up with Roman. That uh, crowd was electric. Yeah, they went nuts. That was the biggest. They went pop nuts that I've heard all in the last two years. Yeah, in recent memory. Oh yeah, for sure. They, they, they were, and there was nothing negative about a John Cena reaction. Like, they, I mean, it's one of those, you know, the, the audience I feel like is, you know, they've been through so much with John Cena and his progression as a character and the ups and downs that, you know, now they've respected him to the point where now he's like, like he's finally a baby face mm-hmm. in the minds of the fans, you know, and that's what the company had been wanting him to be for such a long time. Um, that he only catered to a small audience, being a, a a a younger children's audience, and not the eighteen to forty nine male demographic that everyone goes crazy over. But uh, overall, I thought it was a great way to end the pay per view. Uh, the, the Cena coming out and just kind of you know facing off with Roman, kind of setting the table for SummerSlam. Well, it's funny, even though funny to think seven years ago when they tried to do the uh, the you know the toss off between the two, where Roman was the face and Cena was still the face too. Um, and they had, you know, 
the the lift your hand up and the crowd will cheer for me or lift your hand up and the crowd will cheer for you type deal. Um, you remember yep. that? Yeah. Um, they, they, we asked for that seven years ago and they finally gave it to us. Um, yeah. I think that was, that worked perfectly. I'm not complaining cause it tells a story. Um, it really does. No matter how much you want to say, Hey, they tried to push Roman down our throats. Well, that's part of the story. You know, yeah. he's the head of the table. He is the guy. That's the guy that they yep. wanted to make. So they were like, fuck it. Let's just, let's make it part of the story. And I feel yeah. like that it's flowed so naturally. You know, I want this match. Oh, say, same. I think it's going to be an excellent match. Um, I, it's, it, to me, essentially, it's, it's a notch to put on Roman's belt to get him to the rock oh, for yeah. WrestleMania. Because the big rumor is, is that it's going to be him and Rock at WrestleMania next year in Dallas instead of waiting two years to go to L.A. Okay. And so they – they and the other rumor that just came out, you know, just a few days ago, Rock is expected to take part in Survivor Series this year. It would be the 25th anniversary of his debut in WWE. Oh, wow. So Where he, is Survivor he would be Series involved. this year? It's rumored to be in Brooklyn, which will, which will be another, you know, New York City, Brooklyn – uh, you know, Rock made his debut in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Yep. So the rumor and he'll is get on the mic. He'll be, be like, a- "I made my debut right down here, right, right here." <laughs> Everybody in New York is like, "No, <laughs> yeah." But uh, you know, that, that's the big rumor. Um, I don't know what kind of involvement Survivor Series will be for him, whether it's in in a wrestling capacity or in a, a host, you know, a, a host or something, but. Um, it's it's designed to set the table, no pun intended, for him and Roman at WrestleMania. Now the other rumor is is that depending on his movie commitments, depending on his availability, his schedule, um, he'll he'll be um, he'll be on both Raw and SmackDown in the fall to hype up his return at Survivor Series, um, and then also depending on his movie commitments and depending on where they want to go in the story, the rumor is, is if they don't do a one-on-one with him and Roman at WrestleMania, it's going to be a tag match involving both the Usos. Mm. Um, one Uso on one side, one Uso on the other. If one can Just to kind of have, over, right? <clears throat> well, that's also another reason why the other one didn't get suspended either or, yeah. or wasn't taken off of television because they want to keep this thing going. And mm. I think it's some somewhat of a favor to The Rock uh, to, you know, kind of... If, if he's going to be involved in this and they, they need some sort of backup contingency plan, let's keep this kid on TV. Right. So give him a championship belt, reward him for his bad behavior so that we can get to Rock and Roman in some form or fashion at WrestleMania. Yeah. But those are just the those are just the rumors. Uh, for, for those of you that, that, that watched SmackDown last night, uh, they they tried to continue these Cena. It looks like they're, they're, they're not just automatically going to give us Cena and Roman. No, yet. he's going to have a road Cena, bump. Yeah, because Cena asked for the match, Roman declined, but then Finn Balor came out and said, well, do you accept my challenge? And Roman said, challenge accepted. So I don't know if it's going to turn into a triple threat. I don't know if it's going to be Cena versus Balor, the winner faces Roman. Well, yeah, Balor, I don't know how Balor that's gonna... has some rights to that. Because um, you know, he never lost the universal title. At, at he was some, stripped and of it. It was a SummerSlam event, too. Yes. So... So there's 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 some long term storytelling there as well that you can kind of tie into the situation here. But overall, it's been very exciting, even with some of the stuff on WWE programming um, with the women, 
I mean, who else? Matt Riddle. He's kind of grown on me. Uh, I um, knew it. I told you those I, I promos kind of get me. Sometimes they're they're really stupid, but sometimes I'm just like, man, that is funny as shit. Yeah, like same with me, and it's kind of grown on me. I didn't really think that this whole thing with him and Randy Orton was going to be anything. What's going on special. with Randy Orton? Do you know why wasn't he on the show at all? Is he hurt? Or I what? heard he's. I heard there it might be some sort of like injury he's dealing with. Okay, but um, so they have Riddle was, hitting the RKO. They have him calling to him. They're eventually going to have to feud. Um, I don't know if they'll be pushing yeah. that for some. I think they want to. I well, I, from what I gather. <laughs> It was uh, from what I've heard originally. It was supposed to be Orton and Riddle against Styles and Almost for the, the Raw Tag Team titles, Ooh. and you were going to kind of keep Orton and Riddle as a team, and then they were going to slow burn that that turn. Whoever was going to make the turn, and it was going to be very similar to the. It, it was going to be a mix of like a modern day version of the Rock and Sock connection, mm. but tie that in with the Kevin Owens Chris Jericho best friend storyline from 2016 2017. Sounds good. I like that. So. Yeah, so I that that's the kind of vibe I've kind of gotten from it. Um, but who I think some plans might have changed with Orton's injury. I don't know if he's going to be back for 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 uh, SummerSlam at all. But um, it looks like they they're they're keeping Orton on television through Riddle with the promos and and the and you know Riddle using the the, the signature moves and things like that. So it it's either going to be they're going to come back together and be a team. Or it's going to be Orton's going to make his return. And he's going to turn on him, and it's going to set up the two of them. But actually, I was talking with someone the other day, and it'd be more interesting if Riddle turned on Orton, and we saw a little bit more of a vicious side to Riddle. That's what I was um, just thinking. Um, you know, you know he's got this demeanor of the stoner, but uh, just change him up to be like the silent killer. Yeah, and maybe even kind of give him like a group like that. There was that catch point group he had in in Evolve yep. with like Gulak, yep. and you know maybe like give him like a like a MMA type of gimmick where he's got you know like sparring partners and a trainer, Hell similar yeah. to what it's they're like doing in NXT with Roderick Strong, well, like the Diamond Mine. Yeah, but that's also a rip off of Team Filthy from MLW. Tom Lawler has a group uh, that's been there uh-huh. for like two years, and it's a his MMA group. Um, okay. and it's just guys, one guy's in a gi, David Guarini, and then the other guy, um, uh, Kevin Koo, he's a mixed martial artist. Um, and yeah. they used to have some other guys, um, but they feud with King Mo in MLW. So, uh, yep. it, it's, it's kind of like a knockoff of that, but it's more wrestling centric, uh, yeah. the diamond mine. But I, I could definitely see it working for um, Riddle, who is a guy who has legit UFC credentials, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you, you throw in guys like Drew Gulak, maybe even Timothy Thatcher, mm. um, you know, even even some like maybe even like some, you know, performance center standouts yeah. that, and then that they that... haven't really done anything with and use those guys as like fodder for Orton to go through to eventually get to Riddle. True. You know and what that I mean? ultimately can go to what Riddle has wanted. Uh, a match with him and Brock. Yes, and eventually at some point, yeah, maybe a match. Yeah, maybe a match with him and Brock. But yeah. I think overall, it's. I mean, I'm, in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to, you know, what we're just seeing right now, there's a lot of really good stuff on the table creatively from both companies. You know, AEW and WWE, especially now that the audience is back, and I think with the audience demand 
for better wrestling in the last couple of years from from overall in general, uh, WWE, but even to some degree AEW. I think they're really putting their best foot forward creatively, both companies, to give the fans some really good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple uh, questions to ask you for direction. Okay. All right. Um, first one, what are your thoughts on this guy that's with King Nakamura? The Rick Boogs? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I wasn't really the biggest fan of it in the beginning. Um, I, t- To be honest with you, I thought it was kind of silly. It's so um, fucking dumb. It is okay, the worst. He's so annoying. He, that, and he's, okay, yeah, he's, he's shredding, quote unquote, but it's not even like... I can hardly. Hear. I, I like the fact that they used him with the guitar as the way to reintroduce Nakamura back to his old music. Yeah, like that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I I'm not like I, I don't to- like. So for instance, I just don't the, get it. Like what's the interaction with Riddle the other night at Money in the Bank, like the backstage thing with him and Nakamura out okay, and Riddle, and they were doing ended up. Like shit. Then they did Randy Orton's theme, and uh, yeah. and then Nakamura did the pose. Like I thought that was kind of funny, um, but how long is that going to go for? You know what I mean? Like how long is that going to last with with him well, and Nakamura? With Vince, it'll go um, forever. That's well, good shit, pal. It's not oh, the greatest great. thing in the world, but at the same yeah. time, like it, it's also. I mean, let's put it this way: this dude's giving his all into it. You know what I mean? Like he's got charisma. Mm-hmm. He's got something there. You know what I mean? A personality. It's not like like to me. I look at him and I, when I watch him on TV, and yes, he could be annoying, but he doesn't pretend like he's playing an annoying character. Mm-hmm. He looks like and sounds like someone who would fit that bill. You know what I mean? Like he's right. he is that character. He's not like trying to play it like you see with a lot of guys in wrestling nowadays he is that character so yeah they might be onto something here with with with, with rick boogs or boogers or whatever the fuck his name yeah, is wh- but uh, why do um, they want him to get it's a, it's a solid start i'm for not him. saying boo i'm saying boogs <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know honestly i don't know all right next but question. yeah that, oh yeah I'm, I'm here neither here nor there but go ahead continue I got I got two more follow up questions for WWE stuff. Uh, okay. First, the right. next one, uh, Big E. Where does he go with the contract? What happens? What are your, what are your predictions and thoughts? Um, there's two different avenues you could go. Number one, everyone's gonna go with the obvious that you put him in a situation where. He cashes in the money in the bank, and he does it at Kofi's expense. Like, let's say, you know, let's say somehow Kofi were to get a rematch at some point against Lashley, even though I, they're they're heading in the direction of Goldberg. But they put him in a situation where he cashes in, he wins the title, and then you start to see a slow turn you know, with with him, and he becomes more of a you know. He's, he's taking on more heel tendencies. Very similar to when CM Punk cashed in in 2009 on Jeff Hardy. He cashed in and he mm-hmm. did it in a way where he was like quasi-heel, quasi-babyface. And then over time, he eventually became a heel. Mm-hmm. I could see them doing something where like he cashes in and wins money in the bank. Uh, or, or he cashes in and wins the WWE title on like Lashley. 
but it starts a heel turn for him. You know what I mean? Like he's letting the success get to his head. So you're saying on Lashley. So where does Brock Lesnar come in? That's what I'm saying. I I don't know what direction they're putting with Big E. Right now, right now, I think I think right now Brock is at a later date. Okay. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Brock showed up in Survivor Series. Um, They do they do something with him at Survivor Series. So then they have to put the strap back on Lashley, or they just have Lashley and Lesnar without a strap. I I. I ideally they'd probably want to put the belt back on Lashley, but at the same time, like Lashley and Lesnar doesn't need the title, and I'm kind of, and I'm kind of at the point where, yes, I know Lesnar's character is you know is always you know in the big time title matches, and that's pretty much where he where he stands. But I wouldn't mind seeing Lesnar in a more personal rivalry that doesn't involve a championship. Mm. You know, mm. like it doesn't have to be in the title. Like he's in a situation where he could just you know it. it it would be an attraction match, you know, with him and someone else, as opposed to him in the title picture all the time. I'm not saying that yeah. I'm sick of him being in the title picture, but it would be a nice change of pace if and when he does return that he's not immediately involved in a title match. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see where they're going to go with this because uh, now the other option for Biggie is to have him be the one to cash in on Roman and wait, but but that would be something that they would wait on, like. I think that would be something where it would be right around WrestleMania season. Yeah. Because um, I don't think they would want... And then have Big E in the title spot where it like it's the middle of the card. That'll eventually yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and Roman and Rock is a, 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 right. a special attraction. And it's like Cena not and the Big championship. E. Yeah. Cena and Big E or Big E and Brock maybe. Um Biggie or Drew, you know, like you well, know. Drew is hindering, oh, gendering right now so much. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they, they, I terrible. mean, they 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 desperately want Drew to be a baby face, um, and he's been getting like mixed reactions. I told you, um, I, I said I don't know if yeah. the fans are really over the, with this guy because it's hard. He he was a he was he was presented to us when they brought him back strong, but then they just dwindled it down with Braun Strowman and Dolph Ziggler and all that. It was uh, yeah. He lost steam. Yeah, I mean he's they 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 put him in this situation with Jinder because I think they want him to be a baby face. They want him to eventually have that moment where he gets that big moment in front of fans because he was robbed of that with COVID last year. So I think putting him in this situation with Jinder is going to help, or at least they they think it's going to help the audience get into him um, a little more. But I mean. You know, he had a mixed reaction at Money in the Bank, but then when he came, when, when he did all his shit in the matches, in the in the match against those guys, like he got big pops for it. And then the beat down the other night with the chair on Jinder and his crew, that got a big pop. So he's kind of playing this like Scottish badass that's kind of working for him. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think there I think he's in a in a rebuilding process now that we have an audience that 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 you know will will be there to. Uh, react one way or another but they they desperately want him to be a baby face and uh i think that's the direction that they would go in with him um but at the same time i think they've also learned their lesson with roman and with cena that you shove him down our throats people are not going to be as receptive to it so they're 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 kind of scaling back with him a little bit um and, and and making people want it more so We'll see how it goes, but I mean, you throw him in another title picture, it it it, it could be grounds for audience backlash. Like I honestly thought that with the Money in the Bank the other night, 
that I wanted Big E to win or Morrison, but I was like, Drew's probably going to win. I thought now, so, Drew too. Won- now, if Drew won, you had that you had that option of, all right, well, they'll just send him over to SmackDown to, to feed him to Roman, okay, because he can't wrestle Lashley for the title per that stipulation from their, their previous match. Now, on the other hand, you could have done a completely 360 switch and had Drew be money in, win money in the bank and then cash in on a baby face and turn heel mm. and then kind of revolt against the audience who kind of turned their back on him during the pandemic, mm. you know? But, like I said, they want him to be a baby face right now. So, um, we'll see what happens. But he's – I'm interested to see, following Jinder, what they do with him. Yeah. Um, I'm interested too. Um, and especially what happens with Big E. Um, cause I think it will eventually get a Drew McIntyre and Big E match. Um, oh, I think we'll see something yeah. like that too, for sure. Absolutely. Another match that I, I want to present to you. Uh, okay. Samoa Joe is back in NXT. Yeah. Um, and it looks like him and Karrion Cross are going to have a match. And Karrion Cross yes. was brought up to the main roster without Scarlett Bordeaux, without his entrance, yep. um, and lost via roll-up to Jeff Hardy. And the internet community is losing their fucking shit over this. Um, okay. And they're they're like, you know, why bury the guy? You know, why what? You know, AEW and and uh, Impact and and everybody they have a revolving door and they put other people over. You can't even put over somebody from your own company. Um, <laughs> I, and I think it's a presentation of they want to introduce Scarlet Bordeaux uh, to help Karrion Cross, which doesn't get the guy over as a killer, um, which he used to be Killer Cross. Anyhow, yep. uh, but Karrion Cross and Samoa Joe seems like a fine match. Have we ever seen Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens? Yes, in NXT. Okay. When Joe when Joe made his debut. Okay. Uh, I want to see it yep. again. They wrestled, I think, once or twice. Yeah, I want to yeah, see it again. You'd have to go back, like, like 2015. Yeah, because they're bringing these uh, you know, veterans in from NXT back. Um, yep. Another guy that they could do that with is Kevin Owens, because right now his, Owens, his story you know, is just, he's kind of floundering. Yeah. He he could you know, honestly he could use a, 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 a you know a, a change of scenery and maybe NXT might be it although they're kind of leaning towards some sort of an alliance with Baron Corbin now kind oh, of um, kind of aided Baron Corbin a little bit and I think they're trying to turn Baron Corbin into a baby face and they might make these two like a tag team oh God it's because um, they so like the we'll same see how music. that goes yeah I guess yeah I don't know um, oh, we'll see how that goes but um when it comes to, you know, I'm glad you brought up Cross because I completely forgot about that. So, you know, the internet went bullshit over it. And I was I, I was at work when I when I heard about it. And so I was like, what the hell happened? And my brother told me, he's like, oh, well, Hardy won with his foot on the ropes. And then Cross is just kind of like, you know, he kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, things aren't going to be good, you know, moving forward. So, you know, Cross comes in NXT champion, like you said, no, no valet, loses his entrance. You know, and uh, Hardy sneaks out the win in, you know, roughly, you know, two minutes or so with his feet on the ropes. That's what people are forgetting is that, like, he used the foot on the ropes tactic. So that kind of saves face for Cross a little bit. And then Cross goes on this rampage. He attacked Regal the next night. And it looks like they're going to lead to something with him and Samoa Joe. I have, as much as I didn't really care for the way that they introduced him on Raw with that finish, 
you know, he could have he could have easily easily disposed of Hardy. Hardy could sell a beating like it's nobody's business. He's bulletproof. He'll be over tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't affect him one way or another. Um, but Cross, on the other hand, this I think him losing in that manner on his debut. I think they did that on purpose so that they could kind of reintroduce him in with this mean streak. Go through you know, go back to NXT, do what he does to Regal, have this war with Samoa Joe, and then maybe kind of come back and just go on like a tear mm. coming back to to um, to Monday Night Raw. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Who who knows what direction they could be going in, but I have a feeling it's leading to something bigger for him on, on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. It's not just like a, it's not just Vince burying I, the NXT I know. talent. And I, that I totally get that. It's it, you know, because I think. I think the problem is we see so many guys that we've seen presented on a grander scale in other companies, and then they come over to WWE and we're like, well, they're kind of hindering them. They just want to see if they can work well with the company as well, rather than just giving the yeah. guy straight a push out the door. If they did that with everybody, we'd have Kevin Owens, uh, Finn Balor, we'd have Seth Rollins, you know, Roman, you'd have Dean Ambrose, you have Sammy Zayn, Sammy Zayn. Yeah, all the these guys like that. being the top. You can't work out like that. And uh, yeah. I get the defeat. Not everyone could be on top at the exactly. same time. Exactly. So you got to tell a story. Um, so it, it, to me, wasn't that big of a deal. I'm not that big of a guy on carrying cross to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not the hugest fan of him. Generic. But, I mean, uh, create a wrestler from you know WrestleMania 2000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm right. serious. Tattoos. Yeah, I and believe all. it. Yep, I believe so, it. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh that's my feelings on that situation. What are your uh, last thing? What are your overall thoughts of the commentary from this weekend? You weren't able to hear Slammiversary, were you? No, I was. God, God, um, oh, Matt Stryker is the worst man. Yeah, Matt Stryker is like too fanboy. He, for me. Yeah, he um, they Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green like you know he put they won the match. Spoiler, Matt Cardona lifts his wife, Chelsea Green, on his shoulder, and Matt Stryker goes, ooh, yeah, a moment in history. It's like, dude, don't oh, call he, it out. He tried to recreate Macho Man a little well, bit Well, he's with recreating that. it in his head. He just remembers yeah. what he saw. And then <laughs> the, Mickey James comes out later, and he goes, hardcore country, singing her song. Like, uh, oh, my uh, and God. And then, last bit... The the it's the serious match between Sammy Callahan and uh, Kenny Omega, and Sammy Callahan brings out the chair wrapped in barbed wire, and the way Matt Stryker announces, he goes a chair wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah, he's a little. I was like, extra. dude, this is you. You are watch what? the 2011 watch the 2011 Royal Rumble match from Boston when they did the 40 guys. He had a he had some sort of punchline and anecdote for everybody that came out, and at one point, like you could hear the frustration in Michael Cole's voice, like "All right, dude, shut up!" Like it was one of those deals where, like, that was the last time they put him on commentary. Like honestly, oh yeah, he I think they relegated him to like main event or superstars or one of those like, like secondary shows. But yeah, it's awful. Yeah. I'm not a biggest fan of him on commentary. I it was cool at first. When he would like make little internet references and kind of talk about guys' histories that WWE commentary wouldn't normally discuss. I'm trying to but do my best, the Bobby the Brain, like, Heenan, and Jerry Lawler, but it sounds like I'm just giving brain to the king. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I, I just hated it. Uh, and what do you I, what do you keep going? Sorry. I, I will say, you know, you mentioned commentary. Um, Pat McAfee. You no, know, AE. Well, yeah, I'll get to him in a okay. minute. A, AEW's commentary it can be hit or miss at times. I think I think Jr. is at the point where I don't need to hear him on a weekly basis. If you give me Jr. in like a big time match and use him in like it, like the John Madden type of role where he calls the big matches, like whether it be at the pay per views or you know every other event or whatever, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and even Taz. Okay, and I'm not trying to eliminate Jr. because I think Jr. is the greatest of all time. But I think his best full-time days are behind him. But then there's moments in time where, like, they go off the cuff a little bit. And it, and because it's very organic, it kind of adds to the programming. It's not so micromanaged like WWE commentary can be. So I'm, I'm, like, I'm hit or miss on the AEW commentary um, from time to time. Pat McAfee, one of the best things that's come through uh, on commentary in a long time, you know. I'm really enjoying his chemistry with Michael Cole. Um, they, they they've actually gelled pretty well on the Raw side. That Jimmy Smith guy that that, that used to do MMA. Mm-hmm. He sound he sounds like Joe Rogan, but he's actually into the fucking product. He's not like that other guy that they just had, that Adnan or Ardan Verk or whatever the hell his name is, the ES the baseball guy from ESPN who just sounded like he was reading cue cards. Like, Jimmy Smith sounds like he's into the product. So, he's been gelling really well. Even though he sounds a little bit like Joe Rogan, he's been gelling really well on the mic. He's been really And I've good. actually been, enjo- um, I've been enjoying his work. It reminds me of a guy from MLW that they just brought in who's a boxing commentator. So, these boxing and oh, MMA really? guys, they, they are like, they're on it. They know. Especially if they're a fan. Yep. Um, I, I really yeah. like that guy, Jimmy Smith, honestly. Yeah, overall the commentary hasn't been terrible. It's been it's it's been a, a, a it's been a work of, of of improvement over time. Yeah. Um so Pat McAfee, um fanboyish sometimes, but uh, So what? You know what? He he doesn't he doesn't sound like Stryker, like you said. You know, he's actually no. he's he's reading into the story. He's giving it more yeah. depth. Um, yep. you know, rather than Michael Cole saying vintage Orton, you know, he's like giving us like, Oh, that's going to hurt. You know, that's going to leave a mark. You know, the neck is, you know, he's getting into it. Um, yep. I, I really enjoy that Pat McAfee. I really enjoy that fella. Anyhow, um, let, he's got a bright future. I, I know. I think, I think he makes something of himself. Um, if he just <laughs> owns the gimmick, right? Uh, let's uh, let's moving on into owning the gimmick, uh, Mister Wonderful. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts I mean, on him? What are your memories on him? I know you're you're a little bit older than me, and you're an older. You started watching early. Um, one of your first memories is WrestleMania three. Um, bring me into what you remember about Mister Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Oh, I mean the the main event with WrestleMania one. He was you know tagging with Roddy Piper, but more importantly, his stuff he did with Hogan. Like my my the most vivid memory I have of Orndorff is the cage match with Hogan with the simultaneous finish on Saturday night's main event, which you know was a finish that was ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, with the instant replay and, and, you know, the back and forth. Like, it was just, I mean, and most people will say who were there. Actually, I dated a girl. Listen to this story. Uh-oh. I dated a girl years and years ago whose father was a big wrestling fan years before that. And so he knew I was a wrestling fan. And he told me, he goes, I went to that show with Orndorff and Hogan in, in, in the cage match. I said, oh, yeah. I go, that's one of my favorites. And he said, Orndorff's feet hit first. <laughs> everyone says, everyone has, that talks about that match and says, Orndorff's feet hit first and just the way that that's they, like the rock they, and big they, show from the over the royal rumble yeah. rock yeah the, the and, rock hit way after big show yes he did or way before big show no 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 his feet, oh yeah yeah you're right i'm sorry yeah you're right yeah his yeah, feet yeah, hit yeah, before yeah. he was eliminated the way, way different yeah, yeah yeah but he held onto the rope yeah and the referee the referee just saw that he because he was holding onto the rope he didn't think his feet hit but anyhow the orndorf memory um that cage match, man, it was, it was it's just a big, it's a part of my childhood. It was like, I was like, oh my God, like they touched at the same time. Like I remember watching it as a kid and I was just like amazed that like they both touched at the same time and then they had the rematch, um, you know, they, they finished the match. Uh, I was listening to 83 Weeks uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, where they covered, you know, Paul Orndorff and they talked about that match and you know, a big part of why they did Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania three was because Andre's health was was beginning to fail him, and they knew that they didn't have much time left with Andre um, in the ring. And I think that's a big part of why they went with that match. But you have to think, if Andre's health wasn't in you know in in dire straits, WrestleMania three could have been Hogan Orndorff as like the big blow off because you had you know in late '86 Orndorff turning on Hogan. Then it sets up the match in uh, Exhibition Stadium in front of 80,000 people, which was unheard of at that time. Um, the big event, which you could find on WWE, Peacock Network, whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. It's a really good match. Then you have the cage match from Saturday night's main event. So you have to think that at some point, it they could have gone... What would wrestling have been like if they did Hogan-Orndorff in, in, in Pontiac, Michigan, the Silver It would have made Orndorff. Orndorff is a guy that was like built like a Greek god, a legit, legit fighter. That's what he started yeah. out doing was background, like, you know, back lot brawls and like fighting underground and then mm-hmm. brought into the Carolina system and was taught, yep. you know, wrestling the hard way. Um, a legit fucking badass, man. I think he would have been made that night. But what do you think about wrestling as a whole? Because everyone marks WrestleMania three with the record attendance and Hogan and Andre being the match that sells it, and that, that really catapults the wrestling industry into the mainstream. I mean, Dusty Rhodes has, has said before in previous interviews that you know he he was traveling through the airport when he saw on the news they showed highlights of WrestleMania three on the local news in the airport. And then across like the ticker on CNN. Yeah, there's there, like there, it's hard to compete with Andre the Giant at the time, um, but you know we know now, and th- some smart fans at the time or some of the people in the industry know that Andre didn't have a lot of time, didn't have a lot of movement left either. Yeah, in his ring. Uh, but what what would wrestling have been like had it just been Hogan and Orndorff? Uh, would they have sold out Pontiac? Number one, no, because you couldn't do the cage. You, you couldn't do the cage again. They already did the steel cage, um, and then so they've had to have done something. Bigger. Yeah, that, what do you do? What's bigger than Andre and Hogan? Yeah, some some of those, you know, like even with Hulkamania is dead. You know, nothing would be the same without Hogan. 
and yeah. uh, or, or Andre in that matter for hand in hand. Um, I don't yeah. know. Mr. Orndorff is he's still, you know, he got that main event spot for the first ever WrestleMania because of how over yeah, he and was. He, yeah, and you and you, you a lot of conversations that happen among wrestling fans. One of the big ones is you know the greatest to never win the world title, and you got names like you know Mr. Perfect, Ted DiBiase, Razor Ramon. Uh, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, et cetera, et cetera. Orndorff kind of gets left out a lot out of, out of that conversation. Yeah. And he's one guy that I, I don't – I mean, I know the formula was different back then. Hogan was the champion. He topples everybody, okay? And it worked. I mean, they, they printed money off that formula for a long time, you know? Other wrestling companies used that formula for a long time, mm-hmm. okay? you know. What if uh, Orndorff was the guy that was in place of Ronnie Garvin? Uh, you know, during that feud with Ric Flair after his departure, you know? Um, uh, you know the Starcade, like, I guess, 88, 89? Uh, it's, it's Ronnie Garvin against um, Ric Flair. Oh, that was eight, That was 87, I think. Okay, so this is around the same time. Shit. The cage match when Flair won the title? Yeah. Garvin had, Garvin had the belt for, like, yeah, a short time. Yeah, I thought that was 88. Um, I might be wrong. No, it was eighty-seven. Okay. It was eighty-seven. Right, so this is Flair headlined Starcade eighty-eight with Luger. But go but, ahead. I mean, okay. Nonetheless, two guys that are over that you know, Orndorff could have been that guy that could have held yep. the NWA championship as well, or you know, the WCW title. Um, I think Orndorff would have been a. Cre- it's a good point you make. I think Orndorff would have been a very credible NWA WCW champion because in that realm of wrestling, under that spectrum he was credible to that audience and to in in that wrestling bubble if you will with the nwa in wwf i i think he could have had a transitional run with the title but it wouldn't have lasted very long it would have been one of those like quick like he beat hulk screw job type deals and then they would set up the rematch and hogan would get the belt yeah yeah but in nwa wcw I think he would have been a very credible opponent for a Ric Flair or, you know, even for like a Sting or even a Dusty Rhodes, you know, in, in, in that in that heavyweight title picture. That's a good point. I, I never even thought yeah, of that. And he also did some great uh, promo pieces that uh, have been mimicked a lot, you know, going to the gym, looking wonderful, doing quafting his hair, um, showing us how strong he is and then coming out to the ring and being a badass. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that's been copied, uh, and pasted over and over again in the wrestling business, but, uh, Mr. Wonderful definitely did it great. And, you know, having that sequence robe, um, uh, you know, just an overall, like he's gotta be up there in like the top 50 of all time, you know? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, his contributions to what he brought to wrestling, I mean, even though it was in a short period of time uh, between, you know, WWF and to some degree WCW um, and WA, I mean, they, they definitely don't go unnoticed. You know, main event of WrestleMania 1, you know, the, the headlining matches with Hogan in 86 and part of 87. Um, you know, and then even in his time in WCW, um you know, especially behind the scenes, working in the power plant, training guys as an agent. Yep. I mean, he helped, you know, he helped develop a lot of talent. And, and I mean, he's, 
he doesn't get talked about enough in regards to his contributions to the wrestling industry. I think because of the short amount of time that he was on television. You know, you look. People will say like, "Oh, well, you know, he had that great run in WWF from '85 to '88, and then, you know, he went to WCW in like '89, '90, and then was on, you know, on-screen television, you know, uh, you know, in-ring performer for about, you know." five years after that but he he was you know like a mid card and a tag team but he still put out some really good quality stuff i mean his tag team with paul roma wasn't terrible pretty wonderful wasn't a bad team. no it wasn't you know and and going um, back to who he was trained by bob backland jack briscoe eddie graham and hiro matsuda i was gonna say hiro matsuda i think was the guy that really broke him in but, right? yeah but he trained with backland and briscoe um there's videos yeah. of them doing like uh having their legs locked and doing crunches with each other and just these uh-huh. the, the feet and strength, the natural strength of these guys. Um, insane. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, he's overall like one of the all time greats. I mean, you know, it's, we say it a lot about guys, especially pass away, but I mean, someone that like, there was so much more left on the table with, he's one of those guys that like f- from career accomplishment standpoint and creative standpoint, there was so much more that was left on the table with him, you know. Like they could have—I don't know. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm a big what if guy. That's—I mean, you know me. I'm a big what if guy. What if this? What if that? And it's always fun to play what if with certain guys. And Orndorff's one of them. You know, what if it was Orndorff the headline WrestleMania with Hogan? What if Orndorff had a run with the title? Yeah. What if Orndorff went to the NWA and he opposed Ric Flair? You know, like I mean, the. There was so much left on the table with Mr. Wonderful. So talented. Anything he would have done and anything he did do was very believable. So, um, unfortunately, the last few years of his life, you know, with, with the cancer. Well, and, and, eventually and then he, he tried to, the, you know, file an action lawsuit against the WWE for neurological injuries um, because he had that atrophy. Him and everybody else. Yeah, well, the statute of limitations had expired, so... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and he looked pretty bad off at the end, which I would not recommend anybody to see those pictures that were posted or anything like that. But, yeah, uh, I saw. There was that one picture on Fourth of July where he's sitting in his house. He had, so the most recent video that came out of him, I think the one you're referring to, was him in the nursing home mm-hmm. with like the long hair, and he looked in really rough shape and. I, I, I don't know the circumstances behind that, but I understand that, like, his son posted that video. Um, but then, like, his son got him out of the nursing home and basically, like, sent him, you know, he had him move in with him. And, um, you know, there was a picture I posted on, on social media of Orndorff drinking a beer on 4th of July. Yeah. And it was, you know, he looked like he was in good spirits. Uh, you know, living with his son in a good place. And then a week later he dies, you know, like I didn't think that now that you look back in hindsight, you put two and two together. All right. His health wasn't the greatest. His son takes him out of the nursing home, moves him in with him. You know, maybe, you know, his son moved him in with him because he knew his time was up and he wanted him to die in his own home instead of in a, in a nursing home facility. So, um, but yeah, Mr. Wonderful, man, one of the all time greats, definitely go out of your way to watch some of his older stuff, the stuff he did with Hogan at the big event in 86, the Saturday night's main event in 87. 
Um, even some of his WCW stuff was some pretty good stuff. Yeah, you're too. talking Mr. about Wonderful. pretty wonderful. Uh, one of their matches, the only matches where he ever had with Hulk Hogan in WCW was like 1995. It's Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage beating uh, Pretty Wonderful on an episode of WCW Worldwide. I just saw a clip of that recently. I never knew that even existed. Same here. That was pretty cool. February 5th, 1995. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. I might have to go check that out. It's probably on like YouTube or something, right? right? Or, I mean, Worldwide is not on the uh, network yet, or Peacock, but uh, yeah. Um, man, some some cool stuff. Yeah, Mr. Wonderful, man. Go go check him out. One of the all-time greats. Gone way too soon, unfortunately. As we, as we always say, you know, when it comes to these guys that are passing away, it's just a very unfortunate uh, set of circumstances. But yeah, rest in peace, Mr. Wonderful. Actually, you know, I got I got a couple of well, while I'm on the subject here, I'll take a picture of it later at some point. But um, I have a couple of Mister Wonderful action figures. So I have the original one, the the LJN oh the rubber goodness. doll. I have it in my studio. I saw it recently at a um, at a toy store, a vintage toy store in Connecticut, and I saw it and I was like, I gotta get that. And it it was clean. It looks in great condition. I got it next to my Hogan, and then. Um, I saw the most recent one that came out from Mattel with the red robe and the red tights. And I mean, he just looks like a million bucks, like all around. And he looks wonderful. I, I ne- yeah, he does look wonderful. And I'll be honest with you, as a kid, I never, I, I didn't appreciate Mr. Wonderful till I got older. My old co- co-host partner on the Ken Reedy show, Ken Reedy, he used to talk about Mr. Wonderful a lot in a very positive light and how like he's very underrated and doesn't get enough credit for what he does. And I learned to, and because of that, I started watching some of Mr. Wonderful's stuff, and I learned to appreciate Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff more as I'd gotten older. Oh yeah. Um, in in the last few years, watching some of his older stuff than I did when I was younger, and didn't really care for him one way or another. I didn't think he was terrible, but I just didn't really have any kind of attachment to him. But now I, I I've been able to appreciate his work a little more, um, and uh, the know, stuff with Gary Spivey. That was pretty good too. Yes, I mean that was some. He fun even stuff challenged too. for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, facing off against the Great Muda at Slamboree. I mean, a, yes, a, a, yes, another you know, another match that goes on. on he was a great guy that was a TV champion. This, I mean, this is stuff that like you know goes <clears> under <throat> the radar sometimes. It, definitely yeah. check out Paul Orndorff if you haven't. Yeah, Google him. Um... YouTube watch stuff. I'm sure there's yeah. yeah. Watch some stuff on the network. You know, I'm sure there's some stuff on the network of him. It's yeah. One of the, one of the all time greats. Absolutely. Um, all right. Now moving on to two of the all time greats of our era. I, I, I assume depending on who you are, if you're Dave Rosenbluth, you're not going to like one of the guys, uh, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Uh, what's going on? What tell me? Tell me what? What do you think? What, I mean, according in. to Dave Meltzer, according to Dave Meltzer, the, you know, CM Punk's locked in a deal, but they haven't signed the paper yet. But you know, it, in case there's a blow up and anything happens, it looks like it's a done deal. You can't really tell what's truth and what's fiction, obviously, when it comes from Dave Meltzer. But the rumor is that him and Daniel Bryan are both headed to AEW. Punk more likely to debut at the All Out pay per view in Chicago on September the fifth, and then Daniel Bryan is rumored to be debuting at the. Um, the the New York the, the 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 Queens New York show at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium where they play uh, U.S. Open tennis uh, in Flushing. Um, it's uh, September the twenty second on Dynamite. So 
there's been talk for a while. I mean, Punk's name is always is always out there ever since he left, you know, where he would land if he would ever return to wrestling. Now it seems according to the most recent rumor mill, now it seems to be more of a of a, of a reality. He even opened up his pro wrestling tea store to kind of spark that um that interest amongst fans. Um I mean, it would be a big get for, for, for AEW to get someone like him. I mean, he's popular. As much as I don't really care for him, he's a popular name. He's got a, a strong following. Um, do I think he will bring more numbers to their programming? To some degree, yes, but I don't think it's going to be astronomical numbers. Uh, but he'll definitely fit in with that that audience, that 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 style of, of wrestling fan. And the matchups that you could have with, with him and certain guys is just, you know, a mile long. Omega so, and Punk is what everybody wants, right? Yeah, yeah. That's and and I'm and I'm sure that, you know, if if, if Punk's gonna go to AEW, that's something that's being talked about and discussed. But I mean, like I said, if you talk to, if if you read, you know, the, the observer and you, you listen to Meltzer and, and that toilet drinker Brian Alvarez, <laughs> they'll they'll tell you that, you know, he, it's 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 a lock. It's a. What are you talking deal. about? I he never I never drank out of a toilet with Brian Sepervivi. <laughs> sorry. You know it's it's it, no it's okay. I appreciate the sidebar. Um, where was I go? Oh, they'll they'll tell you it's a done deal, but the ink's not on the paper yet. Um, unless there's some sort of blow up, they're talking about certain dates. So if that means they're talking about certain dates, then they've agreed to something, but nothing's beneficial yet. They have to meet in person to sign the contract, but it's a done deal. Yeah. Then on the other hand, you got then you got on the other hand they talk about Daniel Bryan, who you know apparently they've been talking to him since you know springtime, and they they part of his deal if he does he's he's signed but it's it's not official but he's definitely signed but he could work in Japan too. And then there's let's put it this way if if those the two would show up on dry. Dynamite, yeah, the ink's not dry and the check hasn't been written yeah. yet, but. If the two of them were to show up on AEW programming, it would be a big deal. I'm not gonna lie, it'd be a big deal. Yeah. But both guys, both guys would fit in well into their programming. But it's it. I I I think I think it would get people to notice. You know, the, the, their show. I mean, Punk's a big enough name. I I Daniel I feel Bryan like too. I mean, they glossed over Daniel Bryan in the uh, the lead up to the Edge and Roman feud. I know it's because the direction is Edge and Roman. That's the focal point. But yeah. they they like missed. Anything mentioning Daniel Bryan at all, Brian Daniels? Yeah, not necessarily. I don't. I, I have to disagree with you because Brian was a big part of why they made the match triple threat in the first. No, place. I know, you but know they're, I mean? no, no, no. I'm talking about this recent Money in the Bank. They they recapped what happened at WrestleMania, and they had no inclusion oh, well, yeah. of Daniel Bryan. Yeah, it was like he yeah, was true, he was true, he was very like true invisible in the match. You know? Yeah, very true, very true. Um, it would be, I mean, it would be unfortunate that he were to leave WWE because I still think he could produce some really good stuff with WWE. But at the same time, if he wants to wrestle elsewhere, if he wants to go to Japan, AEW, you know, has that kind of bridge to to, to gap for him when it comes to that and the matchups there in AEW between you know Omega and the Young Bucks. All of that, I mean, it would be, it they would produce some really good yeah. stuff. So here's I mean, how I see it um, happening: it's 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 uh, CM Punk coming out to do his promo, and then Cody Rhodes interrupts him. Uh, and it's Cody Rhodes and CM Punk for no reason. We know it would be kind of interesting. You know, everyone expects Punk to show up at All Out in Chicago and expect him to do something, whether he cuts a promo or he does a run in or he, you know, has a stare off with, you know, face off with someone. You know, it would be kind of cool is if 
They don't announce Punk signed with AEW. They don't make any kind of big noise about it. You just show Punk. Punk just shows up. Like, similar to the way Scott Hall showed up at, 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 on Nitro. And just sits, with his ticket, just sits in the front row. And then, like, after, like, he, alright, so maybe he'll be a distraction during one of the matches, okay? You know, and the people will start chanting CM Punk, they'll go crazy, okay? Then he sits down, okay? And he does nothing for the rest of the night. The camera could cut to him, they could show a graphic, here in attendance as a guest of AEW, CM Punk. He waves at the camera, and done. Hmm. Leave it at that. Or he stands that get, up that gets, during it, like, to kind of bring attention and daniel bryan later comes out like almost like your nwo type feel on in the same yeah. night or later you know like okay. later like you know yeah you're talking about i'm saying uh yeah cm punk shows up then you, you later in that month is when daniel bryan signed he's in the crowd for like two weeks and then one week he stands up and he's like, I got another guy and it's Daniel Bryan. It's almost like the NWO, right? Yeah, okay. Okay, I can get behind that a little bit. Yeah, I can get behind that. I don't that. know, because everything is factions with AEW. I don't know what they're going to do with uh, CM Punk by himself. Um, he's going to be one of the most over guys there. So he's got to be pushed hard. Yeah, you can't just have yeah, him in I mean, that role with Cody or. But how many how many dates is he gonna work? And same thing with Brian. Yeah. How many dates is Brian Again, gonna work? The you ink have to look isn't at what, even what their availability We're just speculating. Will it be cool? Will there be Fuck, some really yeah. cool matchups we could see? Absolutely. But when it comes to Punk, I'm not believing it till I see. Okay. It. That's just me. I am not believing it till I see. Okay. It. Until I see him come out on their TV and do something significant. I'm not believing it until I see it. Brian, I could see that being an option because Brian wants to work in Japan. Brian would like to work in Mexico. WWE likes to keep their talent exclusive. Although, Brian wanting to work in Japan was a big part of the rumor behind New Japan having a working relationship with WWE earlier this Mm -hmm. year. Now that's kind of fizzled out, as you can tell with a lot of the New Japan guys showing up in AEW and, 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 and Impact and even, you know, ROH, etc. So, Brian's more of a likely op, more of a likely chance. What would be kind of funny is if Brian were to debut an All Out and you don't see any mention of CM Punk, and that would really piss off the fans mm. because everyone expects Punk to. And it's I mean, Daniel the, Bryan. The secondary it's a masked guy, and he reveals himself. It's Daniel Bryan, not yeah. CM Punk. Mm. Yeah, that would be more interesting. Go off than the air with else. everybody chanting yes or no. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? That could be very. And cool. then maybe that's. How, Maybe that's how you signal CM Punk's debut into AEW. Absolutely. You know, maybe maybe Brian was the one to prevent Punk from debuting at All Out in front of his hometown of Chicago, mm. and you have a ready-made rivalry with the two of them on AEW programming. Hmm. I don't know. That's just that's just a little yeah. Because they didn't really do do it right there. on WWE. They brought AJ Lee into the picture and kind of yeah. Uh, I mean, was, they had yeah. some good matches. They had some good but, matches, but yeah, I thought they were they were going to build up again for WrestleMania. 30 or 31 but eh, you know same uh, okay last little bit and then we'll get off of here uh, i just thought about it uh we were talking about companies working together and uh wwe working with new japan didn't pan out wwe is working with mlw like we talked about uh they had a little relationship uh and it's already spawned uh the rehiring of davy boy smith jr 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know where he'd fit in. I mean, you could throw him on the main roster, uh, but you could also throw him in NXT or even NXT UK. Looks like he had a dark match on uh, SmackDown. Yes, he did. I saw that. Um, Honestly, he's he, he's improved know. so much from what you've seen in 2008 or nine in WWE, if you haven't caught up. Uh, New Japan, he, yeah. he was pretty pro- predominant there. All Japan was pretty predominant there. Noah was pretty predominant there. Um, he, he, he really... He's gotten around. MLW, he made a really good mark there and worked with Brian Pillman Jr. and Teddy Hart as the new Hart Foundation. They were given the blessing by Bret Hart. Um, And his last match with MLW was part of the Opera Cup, and he was the Opera Cup winner from last year. So um, a a lot of big things were moving for this guy, and I, I definitely see why WWE snatched him up again because he's matured. He's really solid in the ring, um, and, and it, it prevents AEW from grabbing him. Yeah. I mean, who knows where he ends up on WWE programming. I, th- I have a feeling I- I'm leaning towards UK um, and NXT for the time being. Maybe he bounces back and forth in between them. I wouldn't mind seeing something with him and Walter mm. Mm. on NXT UK. Holy shit. I know that. I know th- I know they've kind of I know they booked Walter and uh, Dragonoff for the takeover in August on SummerSlam weekend, which is going to be a fucking phenomenal. If you haven't match. seen their like, original ever, match, their first match, go see the that first is one. A fucking, that's that, one of the, my favorite matches of all time. That's the best wrestling match in the pandemic era of of, of pro wrestling. Yeah. So this year, I mean, with no crowd, those two guys beat the crap out of each other. You forgot there was an yep. audience there. That's how great that match yep. was. Go out of your way to watch it on NXT UK, uh, Dragonoff and Walter. But they're going to have a second one in August. And a lot of people feel like this might be the match where they dethrone Walter. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Davy Boy Jr. be the one to dethrone Ooh. Walter and kind of go back to He has to another his, barn uh, burner you know, on with a live audience with Dragonoff. And then at the end, uh, Davy Boy Smith shows up. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Standoff between the two. You set something up for UK. Maybe when you know things get back to maybe when things get back to normal over there, um, they do a takeover. Walter headlines against Davy Boy Jr. Very similar to SummerSlam '92. I'm not saying they'd be in a stadium, but and I won't be smoking crack. (laughs) But yeah, um, that should be fun. So, I mean, if, if that were to come to fruition. But I, I see Davey Boy Jr. going to UK for now. Very cool. Very cool. Very good call. Um, well, man, it, it's been great catching up. Um, we had, we have an action episode here that, I mean, I had a lot of fun. Covered a lot of territory. Yes, definitely fun for me too as well. I appreciate it, bro. Yes, as always, you can find us on any plat- podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. Um, Podbean is our hode home base and that's the archive there um so many episodes please like rate review share and subscribe if you dig the content dave where can we find you and then we will sign off everybody thanks for uh thanks for listening thank you and uh yes you can find kicking out of two on facebook and twitter facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two as well as our twitter handle at kicking out two links to archive shows pictures videos articles uh we sometimes do little watch parties if you will um watching some old classic matches so uh be a part of all the fun over there like us on facebook and uh give us a follow on the twitter and with that being said i think it's about that time that we sign off this bitch and see you next month here on Catching Up. All right.
cool. 